Mike McMahon, EcoVapor Recovery System. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Mike levels look good, so we're just going to go ahead and get started here. And we wanted to bring you on because you've been in emission management now for a while. Of course, flaring is the word that often gets used with emission management, but we're going to have a little bit of a serious talk about it. So I thought we'd use the professional word. And um, first of all, how are you doing today? And uh, go ahead and let us know a little bit about your company, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Mr. Mike McMahon? Yes, hi, uh, Jason and, and uh, your listeners. Th- thanks for the opportunity to uh, uh, get on and talk a little bit about, about EcoVapor. Um, at EcoVapor, uh, our team is providing solutions to upstream oil and gas producers uh, to help them reach their uh, emissions uh, and uh, air regulatory goals or solve uh, or air regulatory or emissions problems. And so we, uh, you know, we've been in business for 10 years. In fact, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary. Uh, so we have, uh, over the years, developed a tremendous amount of expertise in the design and operation of a very effective and very reliable uh, tank battery vapor recovery systems. <clears throat> the tank battery on a typical upstream well pad accounts for at least two-thirds of the uh, air emissions profile for that site. And so we, uh, you know, we work with operators uh, to uh, provide solutions so that they can resolve their issues and, and achieve their goals. We have over 100 installations uh, in all major basins uh, in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we look forward to continuing to um, help operators, uh, you know, Im- improve uh, their, uh, their air emissions uh, uh, profile. Flaring's been in the news recently in terms of trying to reach, in fact, in North Dakota and the Bakken, another month went by, goals were not uh, met. And my contention is, is there are some solutions out there to really curtail things. And I, I know that the, the numbers aren't there all the time, but it sure seems like these science projects are becoming a lot more efficient and a lot more intuitive as well. Uh, talk to me about some of the, the issues with flaring that, that are going on and how you guys are you know, helping solve the problems out there with, with, with what, uh, you know, the regulations and, and states and counties are trying to match. Sure. No, thanks for the opportunity. <clears throat> you know, first of all, you know, uh, there's, there are a lot of projects uh, going on in all basins, uh, you know, to improve, you know, pipeline and takeaway capacity so that the gas can be captured. You know, if, if there's no takeaway capacity, then the operator, you know, there are there is technology that can strip out uh, the NGLs, and uh, and then you're only flaring methane, which is uh, you know a cleaner solution, but then then flaring the entire vapor stream with the NGLs. But uh, uh, you know, but first of all, where the, where takeaway capacity exists, you know, we at EcoVapor help the operators you know develop solutions which can eliminate flaring and uh, basically just make flaring an activity that takes place in emergency only. Um, you know the uh, you know there are many operators that have taken fairly uh, aggressive uh, stances in uh, environmental leadership, where they have said you know uh, we we know we can still get some permitting for flaring, but we're going to uh, step beyond that, and we're going to demonstrate environmental leadership, and we're going to reduce and eliminate flaring. Uh, one example of that is Shell uh, in the Permian. And uh, we've worked on a project with Shell. There's a case study uh, on the ecovapor.com uh, website, ecovaporrs.com uh, website, that details our work with Shell, where uh, you know Shell 
decided to, uh, you know, that they would take an environmental leadership position and, you know, reduce and eliminate flaring in the Permian. <clears throat> and uh, with the EcoVapor solution in place, uh, we have uh, helped Shell reduce their flaring by over 80% in the Permian over the last year and a half. So flaring, although still permitted in in most regions, uh, you know, still is, is a very visible uh, sign of, uh, you know, of, of waste. And so, uh, you know, we, we help operators eliminate that, that flaring and, and capture that gas. <clears throat> Obviously, commodity prices right now for gas are, are not very good. However, the EcoVapor solution offers, uh, you know, many different avenues for, uh, you know, for economic payback. Uh, not only is the vapor captured and sold, <clears throat> so there is incremental gas revenue, but also the, the vapor that's generated in the tank battery is a very rich uh, stream. Uh, you know, natural gas is around 1,000 BTUs. Uh, the, the vapor off the tanks is, is typically two and a half times or even more that. And so there are some higher carbon components in that vapor stream that can be captured uh, and, and sold. And so there are benefits, economic benefits in, in an incremental liquids production in addition to the incremental uh, gas sales. Uh, also, with the EcoVapor solution, the operator has the opportunity to run the pressures in their tank batteries very low. Uh, if those pressures are operated at higher levels, there's a risk for, for fugitive emissions where thief hatches or other relief devices on the tanks will open and raw vapor you know, will be emitted <clears throat> into the atmosphere. Uh, and so with the EcoVapor solution, the tank battery pressures can be run low, uh, and that de-risks uh, fugitive emissions and also typically lowers maintenance costs on thief hatches and thief hatch gaskets and other uh, moving parts uh, in the tank battery, which, uh, which again, contribute to, to, the, uh, to the economic payback. So uh, even in these uh, challenged times uh, of commodity prices, uh, the EcoVapor systems typically pay for themselves in six to nine months. Uh, so I think we offer a, a very attractive solution and one that obviously helps the operator, you know, eliminate flaring. Do you have a kind of an easy answer when somebody asks you, what do you do with the captured gas? And I, I know there's a lot of different things, but um, does anybody ever ask that question, you know, just out on the street at a cocktail party, at church, at the cafe, that type of thing, you know, because all that flaring's there, and, you know, pe people often probably don't understand that um, that can be used for a lot of different things, can it? Absolutely. You know, again, as I said, the uh, the vapor that is uh, generated in the in the uh, tank battery is a, is a very rich stream. Uh, it has propanes and butanes and pentanes, uh, typically in that stream and so uh it's it's a very valuable stream and so uh you know a typical system would have a uh, a compressor a vapor recovery unit uh attached you know to the uh, tank battery you know removing the vapor you know compressing it <clears throat> and then uh, it passes through uh eco vapors zero two unit uh before going into the uh into the sales sales line or the gathering system uh oxygen is very prevalent in the uh, in the vapor stream uh, in those uh, in those storage tanks in the tank battery, they're run at very low pressures, and, and in spite of the operator's best efforts, you know air gets into those uh, tanks, uh, and and 
the pipelines have very strict regulations on the oxygen content uh, that can be in that gas. If there's more than 10 parts per million of oxygen in that gas stream, pipelines typically reject that stream because it causes corrosion in the pipeline and also impairs the midstream processes. It causes amine processes uh, and other processes in midstream gas production to to be very uh, inefficient. And so the eco-vapor system, uh, you know, uh, removes the oxygen reliably and, and uh, uh, you know, ineffectively so that that vapor stream can be captured 100% of the time. Uh, you know, this allows the operator to, to model and permit a site, you know, knowing that the vapor stream will be effectively and reliably uh, captured. And so they can operate, you know, in a, in a tighter operating window. I saw earlier that um, wind energy is going on, I think, 28 years of government subsidies since they did their, whatever bill was signed in 1992, and then they renewed it in 1999, uh, 28 years. One of the things that we've been having a conversation with on this program, I don't know if anybody else is, and so my first question is, I guess, is in your line of work where you're in the emission management business, is, is there anybody having this conversation, which is, is it time that we take a look at some natural gas projects like yourself and some other ones that where these guys are sleeping on their well sites, checking levels away from their families and looking at subsidizing the natural gas industry, which is a very clean, um, great bridge, whatever you want to call it. I believe it's more of a foundation, but I just see where there's such an abundance of it to where if we shifted some solar or wind subsidies over to natural gas or whatever the case might be, I just think a lot more benefit for the planet and humanity could be done because it would give these, <laughs> I call them crazy scientists who are out there trying to figure out ways to capture the, I mean, there, a lot of these guys are doing it on their own dime. And so um, just kind of your thoughts on that a little bit. Is anybody having that conversation? Do, do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you see that as kind of a, a decent thing? Just some comments I'm looking for, I guess. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm not aware of any active conversation about, you know, subsidizing, uh, you know, the natural gas industry. But, you know, it, it, my view, first of all, the overall, you know, continuum of different uh, sources of energy, you know, I do think, you know, I, I do see where, you know, we, we, uh, we have the need to develop a variety, uh, you know, of options. And, and I know the government subsidies have been very active, you know, with, with wind and solar. And over the years have helped, you know, reduce uh, the cost of, uh, of wind and solar energy. But in spite of that, you know, I think, uh, you know, without the government subsidies, the economics of, of both of those would be very marginal. So, you know, it's, it's one where, where natural gas is certainly, you know, a very good option, uh, you know, for, for our energy solution now and going forward. Uh, I think, uh, you know, perhaps uh, more, uh, uh, you know, more activity with uh, compressed natural gas fueled uh, vehicles, you know, would be one one area that I think would be, you know, a real win-win, you know, for, for our country. Uh, in addition, I know uh, we, we continue to build more uh, export uh, capacity uh, for, uh, for liquefied natural gas. And so, you know, as that, as that continues to grow, I think that will, you know, help, uh, help the commodity markets as well. So I think there's room under the tent for, for different uh, energy solutions, but, the, uh, but natural gas, you know, 
certainly needs to be viewed as as the primary uh, one at this point, and uh, one that offers you know uh, you know good clean energy solution and and uh, to me uh, compressed natural gas in vehicles and uh, you know the continued displacement of, of coal with natural gas uh, are the avenues that that seem to be the ones that, that have the most traction. How about when it comes to regulations these days? Uh, you're out of Colorado. I was seeing a article the other day and talking to some members in the industry about uh, there's a mobile unit now driving around trying to I don't I don't remember if it's noise or air I believe it's air quality they're trying to to assess in different areas um, flaring of course like I mentioned earlier North Dakota they've got a 88 percent capture rate I think they're at 84 percent was the last um, number which was released last week uh, Talk to me a little bit about the regulations on, on natural gas and flaring and, um, you know, some things that are either helping you guys out in terms of being efficient or things that are really a roadblock and, you know, possibly should be rethought. Um, if you're comfortable, I guess, talking about that. Sure, absolutely. You know, it, I think it's pretty, been pretty well publicized that over the last year and a half or so, you know, the regulatory uh, environment for uh uh, air emissions on oil and gas has, has, has uh, you know, been, been uh, increased significantly. Uh, and so, you know, there are uh, lower thresholds, you know, for permits and, and tighter regulations. So I could go into a ton of detail of all different moving parts of that. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, the oil and gas industry is coming under a lot more scrutiny. <clears throat> and uh, although, e- even though, you know, for example, uh, in, in Texas, most flaring is, is is just an open, uh, you know, an open flame type of flare. In Colorado, uh, there's I, you don't see very much of that. It's typically an enclosed combustor, <clears throat> but still, uh, inside those enclosed combustors, even though a flame is invisible, uh, there's still you know burning of the uh, vapors and the destruction, you know, of that gas. Uh, so the the regulations on uh, on combusting of, of vapor in Colorado you know, continue to tighten. And uh, so, again, we're having more and more, you know, conversations with, with operators about, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, our, our solution. Uh, we just had a startup with an operator about two weeks ago uh, where we're capturing all of their tank vapor and uh, and the, the operator is, is capturing additional liquids production and selling that stream. <clears throat> In addition, the state of Colorado has, has increased their focus on the vapors that are generated when it when a tanker truck is is loaded with oil. Uh, so on a uh, on an upstream site, you know, in a lot of cases, the uh, gas, excuse me, the oil that is uh, held in the tank battery is pumped into a tanker truck for uh, transport to market. <clears throat> when those empty trucks show up. There is uh, obviously, you know, a, a vapor mixture inside that empty truck, which is a combination of maybe 50% air and 50% hydrocarbons. Uh, the state of Colorado has increased their uh, regulatory scrutiny of those uh, truck vapor streams. And so in this uh, startup that we did a couple of weeks ago with, with an operator uh, in the DJ, we actually are uh, capturing the vapors that come off of that uh, tanker truck as it's loaded and uh, those vapors are just taken into the tank battery uh, mixed with the vapor in the tank battery uh, and then compressed and uh, brought through uh, the, the R02 unit and that uh, gas stream is then sold. Uh, 
So it's it's literally uh, a zero emissions uh, site uh, that that we started up on a couple of weeks ago, and we're working on a, a case study for that right now. But so we, you know, the the environment in Colorado is is becoming, you know, more and more challenging for uh, for oil and gas producers to operate. But so we're we're pleased to be able to to have a solution, you know, that can that can help operators not only survive uh, but thrive in uh, in the state of Colorado. Um, Beyond Colorado, what we see is that uh, the state of New Mexico is is watching, you know, Colorado's you know journey to a higher level of regulation very closely, and we do see regulatory changes on the horizon in uh, New Mexico, and uh, you know we also see you know increased discussion, you know, in the state of Texas on uh, you know some uh, limitations to flaring or you know higher higher levels of uh, of regulations around emissions management so uh, we just continue to have you know very good discussions and and uh, you know good good success you know s- uh, starting up systems in all those areas you know to help help those operators meet their goals and, and uh, either either uh, adjust to the higher level of uh, regulatory compliance or you know operators that see what's coming and, and want to get out ahead of that I'm not sure where the world of AI or sensors and automation is with mission management or not but it seems like it's impacting every single department and every single niched subcategory department in the in the world of oil and gas so um are you guys uh integrating is it is it being integrated as an industry just um i guess i'm not really up to speed on my uh artificial intelligence or the sensors or even when it comes to the automation when it comes to emission management is there anything going on there there, there is uh, there is some activity there that's that's worth discussing. Uh, you know, the I'll take the state of Colorado as as uh, as an example. <clears throat> you know, in, in the recent past, the requirements in the state of Colorado were to have what's called an LDAR, a leak detection and repair activity, take place on their sites. I think it was either once or twice a year. You know, was the requirement. Uh, the first of this year, the first of 2020 that requirement became a monthly requirement. And so, uh, you know, some solutions have evolved to help the efficiency of those uh, scans of upstream sites where there are now companies who operate uh, drones uh, that will do flyovers of sites and, and, uh, you know, provide reports on any, uh, you know, fugitive emissions uh, that, that may have been observed on that site so that the operator can make repairs. Uh, however, there is a, a you know a feeling among some in Colorado that uh, that even a monthly uh, audit of an upstream facility may not be enough, and so uh, there are some uh, uh, some some tech, there is some technology that that is available now that uh, that uh, offers continuous monitoring. So these are very very sensitive uh, devices, uh, sensors that are put you know in various locations around a, a pad. That will give uh, you know a, a, a continuous uh, uh, readout of, of excuse me not a readout but they're actually they're actually continuously monitoring you know the the site and if there is uh, you know very very uh, low level of uh, methane uh, detected then then an alarm will go off and this technology gets down into the you know below the parts per million into the parts per billion type of range uh, and so these are. These are uh, becoming commercially available, and uh, you know they're they're certainly being uh, viewed, you know, in the in the state of Colorado as as maybe uh, part of the solution. Some operators are are doing some trials with with that technology now. 
Anything new in your guys' world? Where are you guys uh, doing business? What shale plays this day, this these days? And uh, give yourself a give yourself a plug on how people can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you. Oh, we're we're uh, very busy. Uh, you know, with uh, lots of lots of installations. The fourth quarter of last year was uh, was our busiest quarter with our uh, uh, zero two technology and that momentum has uh, continued into into first quarter so uh we're quite busy working with operators and you know we we have uh some technology that is a key part of uh, of an effective and reliable vapor recovery system but we are starting to work with more and more operators to help them with the design of their facilities you know we have a uh, some a really smart group of engineers very experienced and, and very passionate about uh, you know the the uh, environmental uh, improvements that we can make uh, with our solution, and so we're working with several operators, actually helping them design uh, their uh, vapor recovery systems and, and working with them on their emissions management uh, strategy. So uh, it's very very busy times for us. Uh, we've recently had some startups, uh, you know, on on both the Texas and New Mexico side of the Permian. Uh, we have one operator with over 20 units uh, down in the Eagleford um, you know we continue to work very closely with with Shell as they work to continue to uh, you know, reduce their their flaring in the Permian and uh, a lot of work with uh, many operators in the DJ and and some up in the Bakken you know reacting to you know the regulatory environment and uh, wanting to improve uh, their uh, you know emissions performance and and uh, execute on a on a much more uh, leading edge uh, emissions management strategy so we're uh, you know we're real busy but uh please check out our website uh we are eco vapor recovery systems so our website is www.ecovaporrs.com uh, my name is mike mcmahon and our uh, we can be reached uh on a number 844 no flare and uh, i'm extension 101 at, at uh, 844 no flare so we would love to hear from from operators and uh, help them uh, uh, achieve their goals as well 